Everybody said, Amen. Amen. So awesome to be with you. Great to be with you here in the house and online. Yeah. We were with the Gospel Rescue Mission live streaming in the first service, and uh, we're still live streaming to people, but we had some is issues with the technical stuff, like more than just when they were down there singing. It's okay. That's all part of just what's going on, and it's okay. It really is. Stuff's always happening. There's always challenges in life, but God is up to the challenge, isn't he? Yeah. So good. Glad to be with you. If you don't recognize me, I'm Pastor Dave. Yes, I am. <laughs> I... Uh, a couple weeks ago, I made mention of the fact that I was uh, one and done in 21 with haircuts, and so I did have a haircut back in December of 2020. That was my last one, so that's been driving me crazy forever, you know, and I was like, I can't take it anymore, and I got up and um, made a mention to my wife, and she made a mention to me about it would be a good thing to cut it, and uh, so I'm still legitimately in my place and in my word when I said one and done in 21. It's my first haircut of 21. I'm done now. I won't have another one, so I also was letting you know that I was blaming Pastor Joshua and Rebecca because I did their wedding on Friday in a hot air balloon going over Tucson, and uh, as I did, I was climbing in the thing, and I said that flame went on, and it kind of torched me, so... I have a bald spot back here, and I was telling them I'm going to sue them for that, but it is what it is, right? And that's not true. Uh, I mean, I do have a bald spot, but it wasn't from them or the fire. I uh, just couldn't take it anymore. If you've dealt with those issues, I mean, you know, it's stupid, but it's frustrating, you know, it keeps, especially when I'm preaching. I can't stand it. I try and push it beyond here's falling. I use my sunglasses, which was awesome on Bl Blessing of the Biker Sunday because I could do that, and I couldn't take it anymore, and I told her, like, just do whatever you want. So... I've had people tell me I look older. I've had people tell me I look younger. It doesn't matter. All I said to my wife when I sat down in the chair is, do whatever you want. She's got to look at me, right? I just don't look in the mirror. I don't even know. I know when I have my hair cut because I see people look at me like, and they take a double tip. Hey, I know you. <laughs> so that's when it reminds me, oh, yeah, I don't have any hair. But the first 24 hours, though, it was cold. You know, <laughs> felt all the little breezes blowing and all that good stuff. Anyway, don't want to dwell on that. I'm just saying it's just dumb hair and it'll go and come and leave and grow and whatever. And I told the Lord, whatever, I don't care. As long as it would stay there, I don't care what color it is or what it does. I just, and that hasn't happened yet. So it's okay. I think we'll all be bald when we get to heaven. Uh, you know, I'm just kidding. I don't have no idea. Um, I'm grateful to be with you today, and I don't want to be distracted by that stuff. This is another thing I will tell you that many of you have confessed that you're no longer watching the devotional videos unintentionally because you were like, shocked I got my hair cut. But if you're watching the devotions, you'd have known. Because <laughs> I mentioned it, and I had short hair in the devotionals this week. So I'm just saying, not that we're going to guilt you into anything, but it's pretty important that you would stay with us because I believe that as we are going through those daily devotionals and things that it's on YouTube in case you're wondering you don't know what I'm talking about uh, we do like a three to four minute morning devotional every day that they're, they're put out there and um, as we do those I see God putting together things all around in life and they all flow together even more services the worship music the messages and and y'all know me I don't have anything planned out they're done one day ahead of time usually um, you know, so thank God for Cindy and the tech people. They're all amazing. They really are. And, and all the challenges that are here, for real. I mean, I give it to them all the time, and they just make it happen. So it's pretty cool that they can do that. And um, yeah. So what is God going to say to us today? I'm very excited. It's 
been amazing as we were in the service. By the way, I forgot to tell you last week when we blocked off the outside, it's just because we're trying to do social gathering uh, to help you. There's plenty of room for you still, but we want to be together. And uh, one of their goals was to keep me more confined to the middle, but it didn't work. I'm still running all over up here, and I'm glad that you guys are sitting everywhere you are. I want to read some scriptures to you that um, God's amazing. I'm so grateful for our worship team, our tech people, the kids people, nursery, all of you that make uh, church available and make it happen. It's amazing. Listen to what God has to say to us in Psalm 40. I had, I had I'd sent the verse to Justin and, uh, yesterday. Of course, he didn't have a week to prepare or anything. It was yesterday I sent it to him and said, I want you to read this verse at the beginning of the service from Psalm 40. And what did it tell us to do? We read it at the beginning of the service, you remember? Verse 16. God is great. Yeah. And it says that the people shouted, God is great. How often? They were doing it all the time. They were yelling it out, right? Uh, do we still have that verse up there? Can we get that up there for them so they can see what we were talking about? I know some of you maybe weren't here at the beginning and stuff, and it's okay. I'm glad you're here. May those who love your salvation repeatedly shout, the Lord is great. So Justin asked you to do it once, but it says repeatedly, the Lord is great. The Lord is great. The Lord is great. Is he great or what? For real, man, he is great. And this is the Psalm of David. King David wrote this Psalm. And he, of course, is my namesake and he's my hero. And I love him, except for one part of his life. And I want to just erase that section of his life. I'm grateful that God does when he forgives us. But I love the fact that God's word doesn't hide anything. It shows us everything. That's why we know it's not something written by men. Human beings would have never put in one of the main heroes of the Bible, how he screwed up. We wouldn't have done it because we want all of our heroes to be clean and pure and right and all that good stuff. And it's like, look, he screwed up major. And I don't want to see that. I'm grateful that I see it and then I see his repentant heart which he wrote Psalm 51 and if you read Psalm 51 it is the prayer of David when he was confronted with a sin in his life and his not being obedient to God in his heart and the consequences of that are great but as you look in Psalm 40 I want you to know that this is not one of those moments in David's life he's not living in sin He hasn't done anything wrong. He's not being disobedient to God when he wrote Psalm 40. I think it's important for us, church, that we understand that so that when we read the words that are shared there at the beginning of that chapter that he wrote out, that we recognize that this is not a cry from some sinful place or some place that David himself had placed himself in screwing up his life, but that he is walking with God with integrity and purpose And yet we read these words. So listen to it. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. 
Man, that is such an awesome statement in there. And oftentimes when we read through Scripture, I will just tell you what I would do as I read oftentimes as I look at this. And David says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and He heard me, He turned to me, and He took me up, and He put me on the solid ground. And my focus is the fact that God always answers in the time of need, and He takes me and He places me in this place. And when I see those words at the beginning of that, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. I see those two words, waiting patiently, as an oxymoron. (laughs) I know what waiting is. I know what patience is. And to put them together and say, waiting patiently, I struggle. I have a hard time with that. I always have to wait for things. God's talking to me about being patient. But as David's talking about this, he says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And man, in that one statement right there, there brings great conviction. Now God did. And we see that in that verse. But where was David when he cried out for this help? Church, as we read the scriptures, look at this. Remember, this is not a psalm of David in his sinful place. This is a psalm that David wrote when he was walking with God and was being what God asked him to be. But listen to where he is when he's waiting. He is in the pit of despair in mud and mire. So think about his circumstances and his situation. And here is David in the midst of this chaos, this problem, this overwhelming feeling of hopelessness that is all around him. David feels all of this, and yet he writes these words, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. (laughs) See, when I see this and I'm like, wow, God, it's amazing Because oftentimes, I will not confess for you guys, okay? But I'm going to ask the question. I'll make a statement and ask a question. God will always answer, won't he? God will always answer, won't he? All right, I was asking for a response there. I want to make sure you're awake. God will always answer. But do we wait for him? See, oftentimes, we don't wait. And we... When we wait, we're not patient. See, oftentimes, Dave, I'm not going to include you, even though you just confessed. That's good. I'm glad you did. But I'm going to say oftentimes, like, if my feet start getting sunk in the mud and I feel despair coming in, my immediate response is this, Lord, help me. I'm out of here. Right? I ask him for help why I get out of the situation, whatever I got to do. Because you see, I think in my flesh, and I'm not talking about being in sin, I'm talking about the, the cares, the despair, the problems of the world as they close in. And we sometimes can get trapped in situations that we had no control over. We find ourselves there. We know the Holy Spirit's leading our life. But when we find ourselves in these situations, we think that maybe it's a test and I need to step out. So I step out. I move. I do. I get out of the way. <laughs> I try and figure it out. And so as soon as my feet get muddy... I'm thinking I'm either in the wrong place, I didn't hear right, or I've got to move. It can't be that God wants me in the mud. 
But maybe he does. Waiting patiently on the Lord as it feels like we're sinking in the mud. <laughs> he lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. So while David is calling out, see, when I pray and I'm in that situation, I'm expecting God to move before the mud ever gets to the top of my boot. I don't, I don't expect it to go past my boots. God, you're faithful. You're amazing. And as you sink further and further in the mud, and it's coming up past the knees, and it's beginning to hit the waist, now we're questioning everything. Did I hear right? Am I where I'm supposed to be? Did He lead me here? Did I do it? How did I get here? What am I supposed to do to get out of here? I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. See, we know what God's Word says. We're Christians. We know what the New Testament brings to you and I in our life. We know what it says. So it says some things to us that are promises of God. And because of what God says to us, we often want to exercise those promises to exit the pit. And we believe that when we're exiting, I mean, when we're engaging the promise by faith, that means that it's going to be taking us out of the pit. So we think that the promises of God are an instant ladder out. Listen, do we believe God's word is truth? Then why is it that when the Spirit of God is leading and He leads us into that pit, we try and climb out or get out of there or start our own journey. Why are we questioning God? Because it's getting muddy. See, Romans 8.28 is one of my life verses. And I'm sure it's many of yours as well. As we look at that verse, as it comes across the screen, we want to see what God is saying to us here in His Word. Do you see how it's a factual statement? And we... No. Do you know? And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. So that means if God is leading and God has a purpose for my life, when we give our lives to Christ, church, please hear me. Because we come and receive forgiveness for our sins and we give ourselves to God that doesn't mean that we give him our resume and that he begins to work on our plans this word tells us we know something that God is at work in all things and he will bring good out of all this stuff if you love him and are called according to his purpose so if God's purpose is for me to sink in the mud up to my chin then who am I to climb out and tell him I'm going this way now? For we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are calling toward him to his purpose. So if we know that, maybe I need a mud bath. <laughs> so do we believe God's word or not? 
Do we believe it? Do we believe that he's at work right now uh, in your life, in the situation, that God is actually at work in our culture, in our politics, in our health environment, in our schools, in every one of these situations? Do we actually believe that God is at work in that mess? Not creating the mess, not causing the mess, not bringing the mess, but at work in the mess. See, this is God's word. So he's at work in this for my good and for his purpose so that people will understand something about the God that we serve. Let's follow up on that Psalm 40. Listen to this. It's so cool. Listen, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing. <laughs> I love that. Do you see that? Because he went through that, that despair, that mud pit, all the stuff that he went through, God gave him a new song. So he had revelation in his own life. There was something new about his walk with God. And now he was singing God's praises because God had done it because he actually waited for God to do it. So God gave him a new song to sing. We'll keep reading. A hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Woo! That's what it's all about, church. You see that? They're like, wow, God did something in that guy's life. I see it. I trust him. All because David waited patiently for the Lord to help him. It's amazing, church. He goes on, oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord who have no confidence in the proud or in those who worship idols. Oh, Lord, my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans for us are too numerous to list. You have no equal. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, I'd never come to an end of them. So, you know, as we're dealing with all this stuff, we see we could list a bunch of garbage that's going on right now, couldn't we? I mean, like in your own personal lives, Justin was talking about his own family crises, um, crises or whatever it is, you know. Uh, those issues that are going on. Talk to you about the church. We have these technical problems that are happening weekly. It's just part of who we are because we're not a perfect church or people and we prove it every week. You know, we talk about all the air conditioning things that are broken and how someone destroyed all that stuff back there and there's no AC in the basements. I'm going to talk to you about all these problems and then we can go into the personal lives and if we wanted to go down that journey and we started baking a log we could fill these screens with stuff between us yeah. and then we look at the promises of God and we see what God says and he says I will lead you I'm taking care of you follow me and so when we look around us we're thinking who's got something wrong here Somebody's not doing something right. We're going to cast lots and find out who it is and get them out of here. <laughs> That's Old Testament if you don't know what I'm talking about. All right. <laughs> Waiting patiently for God allowed God to do something godlike. What often happens is we don't wait for God, we do something, and then we talk about how we got out of our situation. 
But when David writes this, he says, many will be amazed and put their trust in God. And that's what it's all about. Do we give God a chance to do God-like stuff in our situations for others to put their trust in God or do we fix it for Him? So the Lord is um, he's awesome and He challenges us all the time, right? And you know, most of y'all know, if you don't all know, that I'm doing my dissertation work. And um, I finished all my education for my doctoral degree and I'm working on that dissertation part. If you understand the educational process, I'm in that part. So I'm Dr. David Dahlberg, ABD, all but dissertation. So now I'm working on my dissertation. You get a, a chair person to work with you and you present your stuff and do all this. Doesn't matter, it's just telling you something. <laughs> So I have it all written. My proposal's done. My proposal's been approved. I'm working through all this stuff, and I'm trying to get to the next step, right? And so to do that, you submit it to your chair. They look it over, say, you need to do this, this, and this different. Go there, do this, submit it again. All right, so I do that. So I send, them, uh, I send her uh, a second or third ed edition of my proposal back in May um, of 2021. And then she asks me for something else, and so I submit that to her at the beginning of July. And up until July 1st, every correspondence I had with her, I was getting a response back within 36 hours, you know, like, like right away. It's awesome. She has up to six weeks to respond to me. I think that's what it is. It's 36 hours she's given it to me. So then July 1st, I send this thing in, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. A week goes by, two weeks goes by. I waited patiently. For my chair to respond to me and while I was waiting um, I was talking about that with my wife you know and I was telling her like I don't know what her problem is I don't know what the deal is I'm like I'm trying to get this thing done I don't have time to be waiting around you know how I was waiting patiently for that to happen and I'm talking to her about it and finally uh, after a month I was like okay I write her a little email like, I'm not sure if I missed something because I don't want to be at fault here, but I haven't heard from you. <laughs> and she was like, oh no, you're fine. Go ahead with the next step. And I was like. <laughs> so see what that did for me was I should have wrote her on the second day <laughs> instead of waiting patiently because I wasn't waiting patiently anyway, right? Okay, that's a joke. So stay with me. So, I then make all these, I include all this other work that I needed to do as my next step, put it all together and send it on August 31st. So, I take a month to do that. We had stuff going on as well and, and put it all together, send it to her. And I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And as the weeks begin to go by and they turn into a month and then we're in a week and a month and a week and a month and a day and two days and I'm waiting patiently as I'm talking to God about you know what is her problem what is going on and God deliver her maybe she was in a car accident and I should call to see if she's okay <laughs> maybe something you know what I mean like all that stuff's going on in your head right I waited patiently and so as God's talking to me about my patience and I'm talking to my wife about that, I'm like, I know God's talking to me about this because you all know this. It's a regular conversation he has with me. And so I'm waiting patiently for this thing to happen. Um, it's October. 
and I had submitted that August 31st, so I wrote her actually two different times during that two-month span. I have to confess to you, there was two. I forgot about that. I wrote her and said, just want to make sure I didn't miss something. Thank you. Wrote back, you didn't miss anything. It's coming. Okay. So then the second time I wrote to her and said, you know, hey, didn't want to make sure I didn't miss anything. No, it's coming. So now I'm waiting patiently again for this to happen. And finally in October here, a few weeks ago, it shows up. And I, like, finally, you know, I'm like praising God. It's here. I'm, I'm going to hit this thing. She's going to have it back by Friday. I'm moving on. Open it up, and the date is May of 2021. And I look at that thing, and I'm like, no. Wait a minute. What happened? You know, like, I step back. I'm like, all right, just be calm. Don't get all tight. Just relax. I look and the very title of my paper is not the title of my paper, so I knew something was wrong, right? So I step away, like, to, to just gather myself and, like, be, let's see, nope, this is the paper I sent in May, not the one I sent in August. So as I begin to look, um, first thing I want to do is that I send her the wrong one, right? So I'm going to check all my back checks, facts to make sure that it wasn't me. Not in a bad way, but I mean, I could have done it, right? Because I'm very impatient. Could have clicked on the wrong thing and sent it off to her. Nope, open it right up. Here's the email sent to her. There it is. This is the new edition. I waited two months for her to recorrect a paper she's already corrected and edit the same thing that she already edited. <laughs> and so when I saw that it was her and not me, and I was waiting patiently, I got up from the table and I just said to Kim, like, I got to go walk outside right now. <laughs> I just, I got to, I just got to go kind of get my thoughts together so that I don't like be stupid. Walking outside, I'm talking to God. I'm like, okay, God, what are you teaching me? What is going on? Because everything inside of me right now is like, not okay. <laughs> I have... You know how you kind of tell God things like, I've been doing great these last two months waiting. I haven't called. I've only sent two emails. I've been so good about this. What is the deal? What is her pro Should I ask? So, you know, the first thought, like, should I get someone else as my chair? Well, she's on the final defense board, so be careful what you say, what you do, and who you ask for, right? Because I'm going to defend my dissertation, and she's going to be on the panel. I mean, you know, like if I vote her off the island, I don't think things are going to go well for me at the end, right? <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, Lord, you know, and here we are looking at these verses today, and it's like, wait a minute. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. So in my walk with God and talking and complaining about what her problem is and my patience and all those things, God just kind of reminded me of that verse, Romans 8, 28, and we know. That all things work together for the good of those who I'm like, oh God, you know. <laughs> yes, Lord. You've been reminding me of that verse for the last 40 years. And I've needed to be reminded of that verse for the last 40 years. Is that ridiculous? Instead of just being, well, God's in it. It is what it is. Deal with it and walk on. No, I'm going to talk to him about it and see why it hasn't changed or done something different. And so I, I come into Kim and I was like, well, this is what God said to me and this is where I'm at. So I've got to just deal with this and do it. So I surrender. So I'm a, I want to tell you that 
when I surrendered that to him, it wasn't like I felt like joyous love for that lady or that everything was fine. And she wrote back and said, oh, I have it. And that's the correct, that I sent you the wrong one. Nope, that didn't happen. Still got the wrong one. Still didn't get it done. This is the way it is. So God's saying, do you surrender? Yes, I surrender. So you see, sometimes we're in that mud and we're crying out to God and we're like, hey, what's the deal? And God's like, I'm doing something. Just sit there. And over that two months, I felt like the mud was, uh, you know, I could breathe. <laughs> but in Dave's mind, it was like up to here. In God's plan, it was barely on my shoes. But it's because of Dave not waiting patiently for the Lord to help me and to do his thing instead of Dave's thing. And so God's like, do you ever give me a chance to do something God-like in your situations? Will you let me work for you, in you, through you, so that I can be glorified? Yes, Lord. It's all you. It's all you. You're the one that asked me to do this. I don't want to do it anyway. I don't mean that disrespectfully. I'm just saying, like, I could quit today and I'd be a happy man. <laughs> we look in God's word at Joseph. He was a man of integrity, trusted God, served him faithfully in all his situations in life. He never wavered or wandered to the right or the left. He remained faithful to God in everything in his life. He's one of the few Bible characters that I can think of off the top of my head. I say, Joseph, Daniel, Paul. That might be it. That when you read the Bible and you see these people that were all in all the time and stayed true to God in every situation. Amazing people. And I look at Joseph and his life, and this is what it says. I, I want to say this in an encouraging challenge to you. Joseph was 17 years old when God began the journey with him. I mean, like a real journey. He was already with him, but in this moment, God gave him a plan for his life when he was 17 years old. In Genesis 37, this is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. So he's just a shepherd. He's 11th out of 12 kids. It's really important that you know and understand the culture of the Bible because in the Old Testament, God himself blessed the oldest child and he said that they belong to him. Every oldest male belonged to him and the father was supposed to give them a double blessing. The rest of us, you're on your own, right? So think about this. Joseph is 11th. If you're in a big family, you already know that you kind of got lost in the midst of the craziness, right? I'm fourth out of six. It was like survival mode in my life, you know? It's like all that that's going on above and around me, and I just exist. You know what I'm talking about if you're like down the food chain. No pictures of you. The baby book is born this day, and it's blank, you know? <laughs> Those kinds of things. That's Joseph. He's just like, yeah, whatever, man. He's number 11. That's who he is. I'm number four in my family of six. Uh, you know, like my oldest brother, Larry, you've met him. Like he'll say number one brother. Yeah, you know. So I'm like number four. Here I am. Who are you? So you probably should include your name so we know which brother we're talking to. Uh, anyway, here it is. Genesis. Here's Joseph. One night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered and bowed low before mine. 
his brothers responded, So you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way that he talked about them. So soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream. I'm sure they were all excited. (laughs) The sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed low before me. This time he told his dream to his father as well as to his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? He asked, will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? You see, church, when we have a dream or a vision from God, and it's very well known what it is because they all knew exactly the interpretation of that dream. They knew what it meant that he would reign and they would bow. No one needed to interpret it for him. They got it. Think about it now. When God gives a dream or a vision... We know it's God. Just like we know God's word is God's word and it's truth, right? So when God gives a dream or a vision or a plan, we immediately believe it and we look for it to come to pass. We expect it to happen today. The very first time that God gave me a dream vision, I don't even know if I was awake or asleep. I don't know. I don't care. I'm not talking about it. I want to tell you something about it. When that happened, I absolutely knew what I was seeing was from God. And because it was from God, I thought, I was a pastor at this time, that I was supposed to tell people about it. You're not always supposed to tell people about it, just so you know. So I told people about it, and not only did I tell people about it, then I began to try and make it happen. Because I thought, since God showed it to me, everyone should know, and then we should all start making this vision come to pass. But see, I only got one glimpse That's what God does a lot of times because he doesn't like give us every detail because he's walking us through a walk of faith and he wants us to trust him. And so when I was in the mud and the vision wasn't materializing, I was like, what in the world? God, what is wrong with these people? (laughs) It wasn't you guys. It was at the other church I was at. It's got to be them. Lord, me and you are right here. You gave me the vision. That's going to happen. So what is wrong with them? Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we here right now? I was even worse on waiting with patience back then than I am today. Because I expect it to happen because there was a vision from God. So I put myself in Joseph's shoes. And if you think about Joseph right now and you listen, see, the first thing that happened to Joseph after he shares his dreams, as you read his story, is his brothers grab him, throw him into a well that's no water in it, leave him down there, they're going to kill him. All right? Then they decide, nope, we're going to bring him out. Get a rope. So I'm sure in Joseph's mind, as they're bringing him out, they've repented. Everything is going to be bad. They're going to love me when I get out of this world. They bring him out and they sell him to be a slave. Remember, this is a man of God, a faithful man of God. Sell him as a slave. Now, Dave, I'm putting myself in the situation. You may not have done this, but as I'm walking with my chains on and I'm going with this procession, I'd have been looking over my shoulders like any minute now. They're going to repent and come and get me. (laughs) Now or that, or my dad's going to hear about it and he's going to come and get me. But he made it all the way to Egypt. 
And not only to make it to Egypt, he went up on the sail block and he was sold. Someone bought him and took him home as a, as a piece of, of material possession. And he began to be a servant. See, he didn't see that in the dream, did he? <laughs> okay, so here's me again, like, God, my feet are muddy. This is not part of what I saw. What is going on? Lord, something's missing. Genesis 39, let me read this verse to you. The Lord was with Joseph. Isn't that awesome? Do you know where Joseph was when I read this verse? Serving as a slave. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Man, when you're in a place you don't want to be where you think you ought not to be, how do you serve? The Lord was with him. The Lord didn't deliver him. The Lord was with him. Why? Because God had him right where he wanted him. It didn't look right, didn't feel right, didn't fit the vision. Follow? See that church? It's like, but see, God was in charge and Joseph was submitted. Here I am. I'll be the best I can be right where I am no matter what. Okay, so things are getting better, right? We see it right there. He succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. So Potiphar's like, man, this dude's got it going on. Everything he does works. Lifts him up, puts him second in command in the whole household. He takes care of his banking, his financing, his investments. He does everything. Joseph's handsome. He's well-built. He's an awesome dude. And his Potiphar's wife's like, man, he is awesome. I want to sleep with him. Come here, Joseph. I want to have an affair with you. And Joseph's no way. Your, your, your husband has put me in charge of everything but you, and you need to stay away from me. Remember when he got sold, he was 17, right? A young man of integrity saying no to this woman. Won't do it. So, of course, she's angry with him, and so she gets mad because she's bugging him all the time to sleep with her, and he's telling her no. And so she accuses him of attacking her tells her husband, and this is what it says, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her, so he took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. And there he remained. And there he remained. Church, think about it. Being a man of God, a man of integrity, having a vision and a dream, not only once, but more than once, seeing that God is going to lift him up and people are going to be bowing to him. Now, not only is he not a slave, now he's an inmate. So here's a reward for being a faithful man of God. You've been sold by your own family. You've been betrayed by your own owner's wife. You're now in prison in a foreign land. And you're still waiting for God to fulfill His vision. <laughs> okay. Verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him His faithful love. Did you notice a theme here? He was with him when he was a slave. He's with him in prison. And he showed him his faithful love. So like to me, this is Dave. I'm just telling you me. I think if God's showing me his faithful love, that means he's opening the cell door and setting me free. <laughs> he's not leaving me there. Remember the verse we read? And there he remained. 
and God was with him in prison. He didn't take him out. He was with him. Why? God was up to something, church. God was doing something. God had a purpose. Even though none of it made sense to Joseph, none of what we're going through fits the dream. None of it. God was up to something. Into the prison comes two of Pharaoh's workers. You know the story. Cupbearer and the baker. They come, they have a dream. They tell Joseph, man, if we were in the palace, we could get the interpreters to tell us our dream. And he goes, what's your dream? God can tell us what's going on. Cupbearer tells his dream and Joseph's like, well, this is what that means. Then Pharaoh's going to call for you in three days. You're going to be lifted up. You're going to be given your position back. Everything's going to go well for you. When that happens, remember me and speak well of me. I'm not supposed to be here. The baker's all excited and said, man, I love that interpretation. Tell me mine. Joseph says, in three days, you're going to be called out and executed. Bummer, man. That did not go well. That wasn't what he was expecting, but that's exactly what happened. Cupbear was lifted up, given his position. Baker was taken out and executed. Word for word. Okay, so all this happens. So what would be my response if I'm there? Oh, I see what you're doing, God. Here's my ticket, the cupbearer. He's going to run up there to Pharaoh and say, hey, there's a dude down there that interprets dreams. You should pull him out of there. He's innocent. He really didn't do it. Nope, you know what the Word of God says? He was in prison for two years after that interpretation. <laughs> so here's Dave in the cell. And the next morning after the cupbearer is restored, I'm standing there with all my stuff at the gate, looking down the bars to the hallway, waiting for the guy with the key to come and get me. Because I know for sure I'm getting out. And I'm looking. Take the little metal cup. Ring, 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 ring. <laughs> I know you're coming. Nobody shows up. So maybe Dave, by the afternoon's like, okay, you know, he probably had to get himself presentable, clean himself up. Maybe Pharaoh didn't want to see him yet. We'll wait for tomorrow. And then tomorrow turns into a week. And a week into a month. And a month into several months. And pretty soon it's a year. And... I'm no longer looking down the hallway. Am I believing that vision was from God or am I beginning to question like, wow, man, you really screwed that up because you shared that vision. You got sold as a slave in the first place if you'd have just kept your mouth shut. <laughs> you wouldn't be in this situation. Right? Yeah. I mean, and you're sitting there, it's a year, man. You remember? And now we're going into two years. Think back two years ago. Life was normal. Doesn't it feel like forever since that happened? It's not even been two years. It's not been two years, church. He's in prison for two years. Innocent. A man of God, a man of integrity. Let's go back to David for a minute. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he did. Finally, Pharaoh has a dream. The cupbearer's like, duh. Hey, man, I know a guy. <laughs> He's down in your prison right now. You should send for him. 
and he does. Joseph gets cleaned up and comes and be presented to Pharaoh, interprets the dream because he says, like, God will do it. What is it? Tells him, this is what's going to happen, Pharaoh. There's going to be seven years of economic boom, man. Everything's going to be amazing. We're going to be flowing with stuff. He's like, you need to have somebody smart that gathers all that stuff together and saves it because following behind that's going to be seven years of economic disaster. It's going to be famine. It's going to be pestilence. There's going to be gloom and doom. It's going to be terrible. And Pharaoh's like, dude, that is the dream. You got that. And he's like, you need to be in charge of everything that happens because the Spirit of God is in you. And so he takes Joseph and he puts him second in power, the vice president, so to speak, of all of Egypt. He said, there will be no one above you except myself. You're it. All the good stuff happens. Now the famine hits and there's no food anywhere. Let's read some verses here in Genesis 42. So Joseph's 10 older brothers went down to Egypt to buy grain. Jacob wouldn't let Joseph's younger brother Benjamin go with them for fear of some harm might come to him. So Jacob's son arrived in Egypt, sons arrived in Egypt along with the others to buy food for the famine was in the land of Canaan as well. Since Joseph was governor of all of Egypt and in charge of selling all the grain to the people, it was to him that his brothers came. When they arrived... They bowed before him with their faces to the ground. As you follow along in Joseph's story here, he doesn't say, I'm your brother, gotcha. Doesn't, not yet. He does do that. Not yet. God's doing something. So it wasn't just the 10. Later, the 11 are bowing. Later, here comes the dad. Everybody's bowing before Joseph because God's good to his word, church. God is good to his word. As we look at this and we put together the time frames that are involved, we know that it's more than 10 years since Joseph had the dream. No doubt about that. It's probably much longer than that. But it's obvious in scripture as you look, it's been a minimum of 10 years since he had that dream. Now when we consider that and we look at all this and I think, man, Lord, it is so crazy as we look at this that you did everything you said you'd do but man, there was a lot of colorful stuff happening in the process. <laughs> the dream came true. It did happen. Because God is good to His Word and He always will. But things happened very differently than Joseph would have ever considered and more differently than I would ever believe. Even in my own circumstance. sold as a slave, taken to a foreign land, owned by someone, put in prison, interpreting dreams, being left there. You know what I'm saying? Political position of all things in a foreign land. Dream fulfilled. <laughs> See, the Bible is full of stories like this. It's full of stories like this. God having a plan, God speaking things, and then things not going exactly like we would think they would go because of what God says but then God fulfills what he said he would do. And somehow I fail to often put that in there and wait patiently for the Lord because I think things are different now. I'm in the New Testament. <laughs> but it happened in the New Testament too, you know. Paul and Silas are physically beaten. God's with them. You see, God didn't like put a like invisible shield over their backs when they were being beaten. No, God was with them and they were beaten. Then they were put in prison and God was with them. 
in prison. They sang to the Lord and God lifted them up and set them free out of the prison. He didn't always get them out of the prison. See, when we look and see what God's doing, God is up to something at all times and he's working. And when we put our trust in him and we say, God, I'm yours and I'm following you and I know you have this, then we've got to believe that even when things don't look right, feel right, or aren't moving in the direction that we perceive they should go. Following God's plan for your life can land you in the mud pit of despair. But if you wait patiently for the Lord, you and all around you will be amazed at what God does. Because He is amazing. He will always make a way, church. He will always make a way, but it's got to be His way. So let's wait patiently for the Lord, and He will help. So if you got some mud on you and you're trying to do something about it, you should probably just surrender and just sink. That's the good word for today. <laughs> the altar's open. If you want to come and you just give that to the Lord, man, you know, we can repent of trying to wash it off and fix everything ourselves, try and interpret God's plan, figure it out for Him. So that's why I'm, not, I'm one of those people that through the years I've learned, like, you know, however the end of time comes and whenever Jesus returns, I don't think I got it figured out. I don't think anybody does. And I don't want to get lost in trying to fulfill interpretation of what I think. Because I look at this and I'm like, man, nothing that God says happens the way we think it will. Yeah. I mean, really, it doesn't. Read the Bible, man. Paul died. James got his head cut off. Stephen got stoned to death. Others had good stuff happen. Read Hebrews chapter 11, the Faith Hall of Fame, and look at what happens in there. Some were like victorious kings that did amazing things. Some were cut in half for their faith. <laughs> I waited patiently for the Lord to not be cut in half. <laughs> right? Let's surrender it to him, folks. The altar's open. I got to shut up and let's do this, man. Let's pray. The altar's open. If you want to come and talk to the Lord about whatever's going on in your current circumstances, the circumstances around us, the things that are happening in the world, whatever. Church, there's only one thing we need to do. Wait patiently on the Lord and let him lead. Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. I thank you, God, for the open altar. I thank you that you're always available to us, God, and that you're always at work in our situations for your glory and purpose and not ours. Thank you for that, God. Thank you, God. Thank you that you haven't changed your plan to work out mine. Thank you for the dreams and the visions that you've placed in our hearts. God, you fulfill them according to your plan, purpose, and will. God, we surrender today in all things. God, we give you glory in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Yeah, God bless you today. Thank you so much for being here. Isn't he awesome? God is amazing. Thank you so much. God bless you today.